grateful that you're here. We have a, a great treat in store for today that's preparing us for a, a couple of weeks down the road when Carl's going to be back with us. Let me begin our time with prayer, and then I will uh, introduce our guest this morning. Lord, we're grateful for the day. Thank you for life, for life everlasting, life that is full and rich and abundant as you have promised for all of us who put our faith in you and receive you as Lord and Savior. Thank you for this morning and the food that we've enjoyed. Pray that you'd bless it and nourish our bodies with it. Now, Lord, we ask for your guidance, direction, and we pray that you would speak through Carl today and those that he's brought with him. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Carl, I was trying to remember how long ago it's been. It's been maybe 12, 15 years that, that I first met Carl Elkins. Uh, he was uh, in Christian counseling, uh, involved in a, a, a different organization, uh, introduced me to some other people who had mentored him, and we just talked about a lot of things. And uh, it's exciting now that uh, Carl and Terry are members of Tallywood and involved in ministry with us. Uh, God's used him. In fact, we had, I don't know how many of you guys were part of a uh, marriage enrichment kind of experience a few years ago. It was uh, four, four Monday nights in April. Any, anyone here that was part of that group? Okay, John. Some of these guys were, uh, and, and that, was a, that was a fun experience, and then we've done some things since then. Uh, Carl and Terry are a wonderful couple that have a significant influence here in our city, helping uh, folks not just professionally but personally, and uh, it's my, my honor today to present to you Carl Elkins. Thank you, Larry. He forgot to mention I'm also a notary public. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would visit us today and help illumine some of the significance of your truths to help us have a deeper intimacy with you, uh, with our mates, with our family, with our church body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've been asked to teach a series on marriage and family relationships but I need to start off by telling you that, in many ways, I am the last person in the world that should be teaching on marriage. I was the husband from hell, and I could prove it. There were some positive things in my life. I was a student at Dallas Theological Seminary. I had traveled with uh, Dr. Josh McDowell in apologetics, and I had spent a year internship with Dr. Norman Geisler, also in apologetics. I think I'd been to about 18 Bill Gothard seminars, had worked on a church staff. I didn't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls that do, that kind of thing. I was involved in a singles ministry, uh, the second largest single adult community in Dallas, Texas. Uh, but I, didn't, I knew a little bit about the Bible, a little, little bit about theology, but I didn't know the first thing about how to connect with a woman, or anybody for that matter. I married a, a girl that I had met in seminary. Yeah, she was a beauty queen from Florida, a, ju a for Florida junior miss. She went through Dallas Seminary with me. We both got our seminary degrees. We went off to get another master's in counseling from uh, a program directed by Dr. Larry Crabb, a best-selling author in the Christian circles. And a month after I left the program, 
and was doing my internship with the prestigious Minerthmeyer New Life Counseling Clinic, my wife separated from me. For two and a half years, we went through counseling. The only time I saw my wife in those two and a half years was in the counseling sessions. And I'm here to tell you that I would be married to my first wife had it not been for the counseling. In our case, the counseling really hurt us. I know they meant well. I know they saw good things that needed to change in us. But their approach was absolutely the wrong approach for us. Uh, My wife gave up. She moved to another state. Um, And you've got to realize I've got two degrees, one to be a pastor, one to be a marriage and family therapist. Both of those went out the door the day my wife left. I went back to being a tennis pro. I have to take that one by faith. While I'm teaching tennis, a man came and said, we'd like for you to teach a Sunday school class in our, in our uh, church. I said, you don't understand. I'm divorced. He said, That's all right. Don't worry about it. Everybody in this class is divorced. You'll fit right in. I started teaching the class. That went well. He said, we want you to start a counseling center. I said, you don't understand. I'm divorced. He said, tell you what we'll do. For the first six months, we want you to write an engaged curriculum, a curriculum for our engaged couples. Between you and me, it can be a list of all the mistakes you guys made. I won't tell if you won't. So they basically hired me, paid me, to kind of process that all the things that kind of went wrong in those few years that my first wife and I were married. About that time, I got acquainted with my mentor, uh, reacquainted with my college mentor, Dr. David Ferguson of Intimate Life Ministries. Many of you are pro- probably familiar with him. He was fast becoming the leading marriage and family therapist in the world, in my opinion. He's in probably over 125,000 churches now with various ministries. Intimate Encounters, Great Commandment, Never Alone. And I want you to know, that man changed my life with one question more than the hundreds of hours that my wife and I spent in counseling. I'm going to ask you all that question later. Well, I'll ask it now. The question was, what's the first human crisis in the Bible? What's the first human crisis in the Bible? In fact, how would you answer that? How many of you would say it's the sin of Adam and Eve, Genesis 3, 6? When, he saw that the, when she saw the tree was good for food, delight to the eyes, desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, gave also to her husband who was with her. When I asked that question, 98% of the people answered like I did, the sin of Adam and Eve. He actually showed me that that's not the first human crisis. Come to our first session, we'll talk about what the first human crisis really is. That changed my life. He introduced me to some biblical concepts about intimacy that was life-changing for me. I was shocked to see how much the Bible really did have to say about marriage and family intimacy. I think I would probably have to say there were about 25 to 89 life skill developments that I just did not have from any of my ministry training. Uh, We've been able, I now realize that we're all about a life message. And a life message is an ongoing display of how God is perfecting his strength through our weaknesses. An ongoing display of how God's perfecting his strength through our weaknesses. It usually has five chapters. Number one, my problem. Number two, how I tried to solve my problem my way. Number three, the negative results of doing it my way, which is usually just the opposite, God's way. Number four, how I came to see God's solution to a problem. And number five, the positive results of doing it God's way. And that was certainly true in my relationship with my first wife. Number one, my problem was that she didn't like me very much. Number two, my solution to the problem was to focus on her responsibilities. 
her right, my rights, her responsibilities. She didn't have a biblical grounds for leaving me. I had met with 20 theologians that I had known, including Charles Ryrie of the Ryrie Study Bible, Josh McDowell, Norm Geisler, Howard Hendricks, Bill Gothard, Frank Minnerith, Paul Meyer, David Ferguson, uh, Larry Crabb, Dan Allender. No one felt like she had biblical grounds for leaving me. I mean, we're not talking about adultery, we're not talking about abandonment, even the debatable issues. She just basically said, this isn't what I want. I could teach those, preach those, argue those from Greek and Hebrew. But unfortunately, the negative result of that is I just pushed her further away. And unfortunately, about a month too late, I think, I learned that I was really asking the wrong question. Now, what am I doing that would make a good woman want to leave? Well, I did wait till she remarried, believing that God wanted to put us back together. I now have been uh, remarried for 10 years, and i got to tell you, I wish I had known then what I know now. It seems like my first wife and I used to argue this way. Uh, I can't believe you didn't take the trash out. Well, I'd take the trash out if you weren't so demanding and angry all the time. Well, maybe I wouldn't be angry if you'd just see it and do it. Well, maybe I'd do more around the house if you were more grateful for the things I actually do. I have to tell you, that conversation more often goes today with my, my wife, Terry. You know, I was wrong not to take the trash out. I told you I was going to do it. I didn't do it. I was wrong. Well, I know, Carl, but, you know, I'm sure you... It's not right for me to be angry and demanding in all the ways that I talk to you. Well, gosh, Terry, you shouldn't even have to tell me to take the trash out. I just should just see it and do it. I know, but I'm sure you probably do more around the house if I were more grateful for the things you actually do. I've got to tell you, that's the same conversation as my first marriage, but from a totally different perspective. In the first case, I'm clearly focusing on my rights. In the second case, I'm clearly focusing on my responsibilities. Well, I have to say, and that's basically what Matthew 7, 3 through 5 says. Take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your partner's eye. I'm convinced that's the number one reason most couples cannot resolve their own conflicts. They try to address the problem in their partner's life before they fully address the log in their own. Well, that's probably one of about 25 concepts that I learned during that time. Uh, we've actually packaged that together now, and that's how I make my living as a marriage counselor. I uh, found early on that one-hour sessions don't work with couples. We get them together for about 18 hours in a concentrated time or on a weekend in a clinic-type environment. And it's amazing to see the success that we have as people begin to embrace these principles. And I'd have to say there's about 25 core of these principles. We're actually going to be covering the top four in our Wednesday morning starting April 29th. The first one is going to talk about needs. We're going to talk about 12 needs. Acceptance, attention, affection, appreciation, and a few more. All of these needs come from one another commands in the scripture. In fact, with over 3,000 clients in the last 16 years, I'd have to say I've never seen a conflict that could not be traced back to a violation of one of these needs. What I'm saying is anytime you have a conflict, I, I can guarantee you you'll be able to trace it back to one of these 12 needs that's not been met. The second thing we're going to talk about when it gets to the needs, we're we're going to talk about how it's not enough just to meet a need. Love is not just meeting a need. Love is meeting the need of the moment. I'm convinced all you have to do to upset your partner is lovingly meet the wrong need. My wife used to tell me where to turn, where to park, right? Turn here. Don't you want to get over? Your exit's coming up. I'm thinking, not now I don't. I wouldn't take that exit if it's the last exit on the freeway. I want some bossy woman telling me how to drive. On our first date, she starts telling me where to park. I'm thinking, finally, we have to have us a little chat. Well, she's thinking I need support. 
But when she's telling me where to turn, where to park, I'm thinking this woman must think I'm so stupid I can't find a parking place at Randall's. I mean, well, honestly, does she think I'm supposed to? If I need to go to the grocery store, I've got to leave the office a few minutes early, swing by her house, pick her up just so I can find a place to park. Well, you know, it really is wrong to give support to someone who needs respect, right? That's what micromanagement is, too much support to someone that has a high need for respect. So in this first session, we're going to talk about our 12 needs and how you must be able to identify and meet the need of the moment. Now, in our second session, we're going to talk about what happens when you don't meet the need of the moment. I think most couples can relate to the fact that there's a wall between husbands and wives sometimes. It usually gets built one hurtful brick at a time. So this wall, or sometimes we call it an emotional kettle, gets filled with negative emotions, pushing out the capacity for the positive emotions. Starts with hurt, leads to anger, resentment, anxiety, fear, so forth. And when the kettle gets filled with negative emotions, it really pushes out the capacity for the positive emotions. And we become dead to our partner. We feel like we're numb to our partner. Or as one client of mine told me, he said, well, when I first got married, I thought I got a good deal. Now I think I got a raw deal. By golly, now I think I want a new deal. (laughs) Well, that's because his kettle was full. Uh, When our kettle is full, it leads to all types of symptoms that people come to counseling for. Pornography, sexual addiction, alcoholism, drug abuse, anger, worry, anxiety, overeating, undereating, and a whole host of other things. So we're going to talk about in our second session the emotional kettle. What's filling your kettle? In our third session, we're going to talk about the number one reason that most relationships struggle and fail. I think every therapist will tell you the number one reason most relationships struggle and fail is unmet expectations. You expect one thing and you get another. In fact, it's also what's behind all anger, unrighteous anger at least. In fact, I'm I'm convinced this is what's behind most worry, fear, and anxiety. The world's going to tell you to demand your rights, needs, and expectations. I think the Christian community for up until about 50 years ago said you should deny that you have any rights. You gave those up the day you became a Christian. That's not true. Jesus had rights. You and I have rights. It's what we do with those rights. We're going to talk about what that is in the number third lesson. And number four concept, we're going to talk about how to meet 10 of these 12 needs in 15 seconds or less. Believe it or not, there is a way to do that. That'll be a very fun one. In each of these sessions, we're going to have activities that you can do with your group. And also, hopefully, you will take these home, do them with your wife and your kids. Some great activities for you there. i got to tell you, I really am amazed at the success that we've seen in this. But really, all of these principles come from Scripture. Most counselors would say, Christian counselors would say, as long as I'm not doing anything that violates Scripture, I'm okay. Well, my thought is, your counseling model should emerge from Scripture. Let's master what the Scripture says first. Uh, If the Bible says comfort one another, encourage one another, respect one another, that means you and I have a need for comfort, encouragement, respect. But I know it's, uh, the Bible says that by uh, two or three witnesses, every fact should be confirmed. So I've actually invited some friends of mine that have gone through some of these processes, have actually experienced some of these biblical truths, developed some of these life skills, and I would sure like for you to hear their story from their own lips. First up is going to be John Vassar. John's a member of our church, um, been a longtime member. I think many of you know John. And uh, when, John, you finish, then uh, we're going to hear from Starr and Hans Mollegraf. They're on staff with Family Life today, a division of Campus Crusade for Christ, which is a full-time marriage and family ministry. Thanks, John. And there's a microphone over here for you.
You want to stand? Actually, can you hear me? Uh, Carl Feld mentioned, I don't have a notary public, but I am a member of that notorious public. Um, he uh, asked me to come this morning and uh, happened to be available, but uh, wanted me to, to uh, share with you all a principle that I learned because uh, through some of his teaching and some of his counseling for me and my wife, one of the things as a man, as a guy, it, when, it, when I got to an argument with my wife, I'd start digging my heels in. It'd be, it'd be a unmet need or a, uh, a hurt. And um, we both get into that bickering back and forth. And uh, all our life we're taught nobody's perfect, but maybe I'm mostly perfect on that particular argument. As a guy, you can relate with that. And I dig my heels in. I said, you know, and it'd get it boiled down to uh, I had a problem with uh, the argument started with this particular thing. And uh, my wife was probably 90% wrong, and I was only 10% wrong. And I dug my heels in because I was only 10% wrong. Now, one of the principles that, uh, was, that Carl brought to the thing is how much of that 10% or may, maybe you take it to 1%. I was maybe only 1% responsible for that particular argument that was going on. How much of that 1% does God hold me accountable for? He holds me accountable for 100% of that 1% of that argument. And that was kind of an aha moment for me to kind of step back and relax and kind of go, you know, let's look at this from another angle. It kind of softened the argument, softened the thing between my wife and I where we could start dealing with what was going on at that particular moment. And uh, Carl calls that the, or we call that the log and splinter principle. I had to take the log out of my own eye before I could deal with the splinter in her eye. And that really softened the arguments and softened our relationship to the point where we could get along and uh, really changed our lives. Thanks, John. Good morning. Well, as Carl mentioned, my name is Hans, and this is my wife, Star. And we are on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas, with Family Life. Um, How many of you guys have been to a weekend to remember marriage conference? Okay, great. Um, God really used uh, the weekend to remember in Star and I's life to transform our marriage. And I'm going to share our story with you, Star and I both, and we just want to kind of give you a picture of what our marriage looked like and, um, and really how God used Carl and the weekend to remember to really change our lives, not only our marriages, but our lives. And actually, just uh, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but our conference is coming to Houston here over the next six weeks. We've got one up in the Woodlands, and then we've got one down in Sugar Land as well. So... Um, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about our family. Um, Hans and I have been married for 15 years, and we have six children. Starting in ages 14, well, our daughter Kylie is 14. She's our oldest, and she is, she's an amazing girl, amazing heart, and can totally run our home. And then we have a 10-year-old, or 9-year-old son, almost 10, Zachary, and his 8-year-old daughter, Ryland, 5-year-old son, Caleb, three-year-old daughter, Tinsley, and a almost two-year-old son, Calvin. And so we have three girls, three boys, and um, I do homeschool, and our life is very, very busy and very hectic, and you've heard the saying that 
nothing good comes easy. And um, I'm a firm believer in that because my life is extremely difficult from day to day, but um, extremely a huge gift to me. And I love when we get to share our story and I get to tell people um, that God has given us six children because as you will hear, um, it's truly a miracle that we are together and that we have the relationship that we do and that we would have any children um, to to speak of um, today. So, Well, Star and I met, uh, she was 19 and I was 20. And um, I had just finished my freshman year in um, San Marcos, Texas, at Southwest Texas State University, and um, it was that summer, and we met at a party, and it kind of went like this. Um, I looked across the room and literally saw the most beautiful girl that I'd ever seen in my life, and I nudged my friend in the side and said, you have got to hook me up with her, and he did. And um, that started our relationship. The unfortunate thing about our relationship is that we were all about the party. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, and we were in church every single Sunday. But the, um, I really didn't get a chance to um, see a love relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, my family knew how to do the right things, but there really wasn't that relationship that was modeled for me. And um, that led to a lot of uh, dysfunction in my life. Uh, Growing up in high school, um, I was, like I mentioned, all about the party, Um, got involved in alcohol at an early age. And, um, you know, so when Star and I met, really the context of our relationship was was drinking. In fact, it was funny, the first night we, we had been drinking, and that was kind of my liquid courage, if you will. And, um, and we had a great time. Um, the next night we went out on a date and we weren't drinking and the, the whole relationship was, the, the whole date was just stale. In fact, she was wondering, we talk now and laugh about it because she didn't even know if I really liked her or was interested in her at all. But the reality was that I just didn't have the confidence to speak to her. I was afraid I was going to say the wrong thing or, you know, stick my foot in my mouth. It was really kind of crazy. So, but we really did, um, we we got really serious really quick. Excuse me. I got over my insecurity of of telling her how I felt and, um, you know, and, and, and we drank a lot. But we got really serious. We ended up going off to school together at Sam Houston State University in Huntsville and, um, uh, we were basically living together. Um, I had my apartment, and she had her, her dorm room, but we spent uh, most of our nights together. And so I guess it was really no surprise uh, when we found out that she was pregnant with our oldest daughter, now Kylie. And um, I'll never forget that night, whenever we found out that she was pregnant, um, I knew exactly what I needed to do. There was no question in my mind that I needed to marry this girl. Um, again, growing up in a, in, a, in a Christian home and seeing my dad do all the right things, I knew that I needed to marry her. I knew I needed to go get a job with insurance. I, know I, I knew I needed to provide for my family. And so um, I went immediately into performance mode, and I knew exactly what I needed to do. I had uh, my wedding day planned. I knew who my best man was going to be, and um, I had it all worked out. Star had a little bit of a different take. The emotion of finding out that you're 19 and you're going to have a baby. And I really couldn't take care of myself at that point. 
completely and totally selfish and irresponsible. And what in the world were we going to do with a baby? I knew that our relationship, our dating relationship was completely dysfunctional. Somewhere inside of me, I guess I thought that we would change when we needed to. And um, God was kind of giving us our moment like, okay, you need to. And so um, I really thought I didn't have much of a choice. I had to get married. I needed Hans to take care of me. My fears were I didn't want to end up like my mom. I came from a broken home. My parents were divorced when I was very young. She was in her second marriage, and she was miserable. And my biggest fear was to end up that way. I thought if that is what marriage is about, if that is what it looks like, I didn't want any part of it. I either wanted to love him or hate him, and I didn't want any middle ground there. So um, we found out we were pregnant. We got married. We had Kylie, and Kylie was literally um, our delivery to Christ's feet. Um, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't have a baby. I couldn't raise her. I didn't know what to do. And so it was the very thing that led me to the Lord. Now, we were Christians, and we you know, had a, um, a saving relationship with God, but I would not say that he was Lord of our lives in any way, shape, or form. We were in a very small church. There were no young couples our age. And we went to church on Sunday, but we would still be in the bars or at the party on Saturday night. Even with a small child, we would find child care or put her to bed, you know, at 8 o'clock and have the party over at our house. And so... This continued. So you can imagine that our relationship when we were dating was highly dysfunctional. It only got worse. Things only got worse. And Carl talked about needs. Um, We weren't meeting any of each other's needs. I can't even say that I knew what needs were. I think that I got married with the intent that Hans was there to make me happy. And um, we worked completely opposite schedules. I worked 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. And he worked 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. And we had a new baby. I mean, you can only imagine what we were going through. In my family growing up, we didn't, we didn't really know how to communicate. And um, we, were, um, we were kind of stuffers, and I brought that into my marriage. And so when Star and I would get into arguments, um, the few minutes that we did have together, um, I had the tendency to um, just create peace in our home by stuffing a lot of the anger and a lot of the emotion down. And Carl mentioned the emotional kettle. My kettle was quickly filling up with a lot of negative emotion. And um, unfortunately, uh, that kettle had to, uh, could only get so full. And a lot of that emotion had to come out um, at certain times. And so, unfortunately, um, you know, we would fight about the normal marriage stuff, finances, and, you know, how we're going to raise our daughter and, and just different things like that. But what was a little unique about our arguments is they quickly escalated into yelling matches. And the yelling matches turned into um, really just out-of-control fights. And, um, unfortunately, you know, it would look like me picking up, you know, something that was closest to me and, you know, throwing it at the wall or um, putting my fist through a wall. And unfortunately, um, there were times where there was some physical abuse in our marriage as well. I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with all this emotion. It was all there. I just didn't know how to, how to resolve any of the conflict. And again, that emotion had to come out somehow, and there was so much, it just exploded. It was really crazy. And, you know, after these fights, I, I, I'd experienced true repentance. I mean, I, I'd say, Star, I'm so sorry. I'd be broken. Um, I'm going to get better. I promise I'm going to get better. And um, it didn't get better. And she constantly begged me to go to marriage counseling because she was able to see clearly the direction that our marriage was going. And I had the mentality that I could fix this on my own. Um, 
pull up my bootstraps and um, spend a little bit more time in prayer and spend a little bit more time reading my Bible and, you know, do this and do that, do this and do that. It was full of a lot of do's, but it lacked the one thing um, that I needed um, for true change. Um, it, it just continued to get worse. Um, it really led to a time where I was out of town for a week. I had a chance to go overseas to play soccer, and it was just it was it was kind of the um, it was just going to be a fun time for me. I was really looking forward to to getting away and and doing something that I loved, and um, spent a week over there, and. Um, you know, got home, couldn't wait to see Star. I mean, I loved her. I loved my daughter. We, 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 we did have good times together when we were partying. Um, I came home, and, um, and she just kind of had this, this kind of funny look on her face. I said, Star, what's, what's going on? What's wrong? She, she was a little distant. And she said, Hans, I'm leaving you. I said, our marriage is not good. I'm taking Kylie, and I'm going to uh, live with my mom. And... Um, it was at that point where I really saw the um, the depth of the uh, dysfunction in our marriage, and I wished so bad that I would have went to marriage counseling. I wasn't making a whole lot of money at the time, and so she went to go move in with her mom and with Kylie. She was two at the time, and I went to go move in with my parents. And I'm so thankful for the response that my parents gave me. They said that you can live in our house if you decide um, to go to counseling. I said, no, Dad, you don't understand. Um, Star it doesn't want anything to do with this marriage. And he said, no, you don't understand. You're going to go by yourself. And um, so through a little bit of uh, uh, motivation and um, need of a place to stay, I got connected with Carl. And um, I went into this uh, uh, counseling session um, just really um, explaining to Carl the dysfunction in our marriage, but I still really didn't see my part in it. Um, I, I was really pointing a lot of the fingers at Star, and I just really felt like she had a way of manipulating me and winning all these arguments, and I just, I, I didn't, I didn't really understand, and yeah, I had this anger problem, but I really didn't understand that how, how uh, the depth of my anger and, and how that was contributing to the problems in our marriage, and so I'm sitting here just explaining to Carl how, you know, how bad Star is and, and all this stuff and the other, and one of the, the gifts that Carl has is discernment, and um, he, he just just kind of looked at me, and he, he told me that, um, Hans, I don't really think that you understand what's going on here. Um, I think you have an anger problem. And um, through a little bit of, uh, of just an, uh, going through that together through ways that only Carl can, can do, <laughs> um, I, I began to see um, my part in this equation. And I walked out of that counseling session just really understanding that, um, that really I had pushed Star out the door. And, um, you know, it re- that's really when the lights came on for me. And I started to see um, how, uh, how God needed to work a miracle in my heart um, to, uh, to, to change me to fix our marriage. Hans moved in with his parents. He was going to counseling. I moved in with my mom and was continuing with my lifestyle. Um, I thought he was kind of becoming a holy roller freak was what I called him. And um, just really wasn't interested anymore. The intimacy was completely and totally dead. And while he was gone out of town for that week, um, I was pursued by a man and became very involved in an affair. And talking about the needs that were going unmet in my world, he was meeting all of my needs and making me happy. And um, if it wasn't going to be with this man It was going to be with someone else. I was going to feel this way about someone, and I didn't feel this way about Hans, and so I was completely and totally done with the relationship. And 
we were involved in a church, so there were people who were praying. There were people who cared and who could see what was going on and pursued us and pursued me in particular because I refused counseling. And so um, only because I cared about what people thought, I had a plan that I was going to go to a couple sessions, two, maybe three, because I wanted to be able to say that I went. I was so stinking mad of being the bad guy. I hated that um, everybody knew what I was doing, or at least I thought that they did, and no one knew what had happened in our marriage. And so in my world, I was um, tired of looking like the adulterer. I thought that Hans looked like the, the holy little halo boy, and I basically looked like the devil. And um, I was tired of it. And so I said, I'm going to go to this counseling session. I'm going to say that I tried, and I'm going to write it off and be done. And went to my first session and sat with Carl. And Hans wasn't in the room. It was just he and I. And we just sat there. And um, one thing you need to know is that Hans had been seeing Carl for a while, and I was seeing drastic changes in the man that he'd become. Hans had an anger issue. But I, when he said the manipulation, I absolutely knew how to manipulate him. I absolutely knew how to push his buttons to bring him to points where he would lose self-control and often tried to do that. Um, because he was a stuffer, I wanted him to fight with me. I wanted him to give me something, to say something. And unfortunately, that just resulted in a huge bash between the two of us. So I did know how to do that. And I had been watching him very carefully while he was meeting with Carl and saw that he was becoming a different man. And I would try and attempt to push his buttons because I told you I didn't like that I looked like the bad guy and that he looked like the good guy, but he just didn't respond the same anymore. And I was very drawn to that. He was becoming what I'd always wanted us to be, but the only issue that I had was there was no more connection. And for me, I thought, how could this ever be repaired? How could I spend the rest of my life with someone that that I wasn't in love with anymore, that there could never be intimacy ever. Like, I didn't even know that we could even kiss again. It was that bad. And I shared all this with Carl, and he's just listening to me very intently, you know, looking me in the eye, lots of compassion on his face. And when I finished, you know, I just basically said, you know, I just, I just don't think God's going to want me to be unhappy, and I just can't stay. And I didn't share with Carl that I was involved in an affair. I continued to lie about that to everyone that I could. Um, but Carl just looked me in the eye, listened to me vent for a little while, and he said, Star, I need to ask you a question. And I said, okay. And he asked me, Star, do you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? And I said, yeah, I believe that. And he just kind of shook his head and looked at me again. He said, I don't, I don't think you hear what I'm asking you. Do you believe it? Star, do you believe that God took that dead man out of the grave and that he raised him to life again to save us? And I said, yes, I believe that. Carl's words to me were, you believe that God can take a dead man out of the grave and raise him to life, but you don't think he can heal your marriage. The lights came on for me in that moment. And I wondered, God, what if you could do it? What if you could give me everything that I've ever wanted? And Carl just explained to me, Star, God designed marriage. He created it. He wants you to have everything that you're telling me that you want. He wanted Hans and I to have intimacy. He wanted us to have connection. But I didn't believe that he could do it. And I turned to God this much. 
my small mustard seed of faith, and we watched God begin to unfold things in our life that I had never imagined could happen. And that was 13 years ago, and God just really opened up doors for us to share our story with, uh, with just couples and, and through small group Bible studies and, and just different, different avenues, and just really our passion for marriages and families continued to grow. And as Carl mentioned, we went on staff with Family Life about three years ago, and um, that's why we love the ministry so much. I mean, God used Carl and the weekend to remember to just um, to really turn the lights on for us. And um, it, it, it's kind of like we have to pinch ourselves to, and, and just think, is this really happening? Like our marriage was completely dead. And not only is, has God resurrected it, and not only are we living, but it is, it is full. It is, it is a full marriage. And we are just having a blast together, um, <laughs> six kids. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's just incredible. So thanks for hearing us, and uh, you guys are in for a treat over the next six weeks. I sure love hearing their story. But, you know, we all have a story. I'm convinced God really wants us to develop and share our story. By the way, I think I heard recently through the grapevine that, you know, the movie Fireproof that came out, the CD version of that actually has their uh, testimony on it. Um, But I want to share with you that I believe God really does want to take the most difficult situation that people would say is absolutely impossible, and he wants to do something near miraculous. That's the kind of stories people listen to. If you can recover from an affair, from adultery, people will look you in the eye and say, okay, I've got that same problem. How in the world do I get through that? Well, I've got an activity that I want to ask you to do in your little small groups here that you... I I want you to begin thinking about what your life message is. A life message, it's on the back of the sheet. Does anybody need a sheet? Maybe lift your hand. Uh, Jim, I wonder if we can get some sheets to those people. Lift your hands high, please. We're all about a life message, an ongoing display of how God's perfecting his strength through our weakness. Usually has five chapters, my problem. Number two, how I tried to solve my problem my way. Number three, the negative results of doing it God's way. Excuse me, the negative results of doing it my way. Number four, how I came to see God's solution to a problem. And then number five, the positive results of doing it God's way. So in your group, this would be a good thing to talk about. Uh, this is a good thing to begin to develop. It might not be something you develop just today, but think about it over the next several months and what things is God doing in your life. So when you break off in your group, this might be one agenda item you could talk about. I guess we have a, just a moment for any comments or questions that you might have about what we're doing or what's coming down the, the future. Yes. Yes, it sure is. Uh, my, our practice is Christway Counseling Center. It's located in the town and country memorial area. I think our website's on the back of this sheet, Christway Counseling. Other comments, questions? Well, I sure look forward to being with you in our four weeks to come.